Mountain believes every brand should be on TV, regardless of budget or size. That's why their self-serve performance TV platform takes the difficulty and expense out of connected TV advertising. With Performance TV, you get access to tens of thousands of audience segments, so you can always find your target customer. Mountain serves your ads exclusively on premium streaming networks to elevate your brand profile and auto-optimizes your campaigns thousands of times a day to ensure you're always at peak performance. Visit Mountain.com to learn more. With demand for video at an all-time high, how can advertisers strike the right balance between hitting their goals without overwhelming their bandwidth-strapped marketing teams? By getting efficient with video production. Learn about all of this and more in this episode, recorded earlier this year with our partners at QuickFrame as part of our AW Advanced webinar series. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone, I'm Ruth Mortimer. I'm the Global President at Advertising Week. And it doesn't really matter what job you do these days, video is going to be part of it. Whether it's full-scale creative productions or whether you're producing short videos for marketing assets, it's really key, you, need to, you really need to know how to make video work for you. But so many teams find that video production can be stressful. So today we're gonna to learn how to get really efficient with video production and how to really maximize your time. Now, I'm not the expert here, so let me welcome Quick Frame by Mountain Expert, Aston Ford, who is Manager of Creator Operations. Aston, welcome. You're gonna make me able to create Hollywood blockbusters after this, right? Yes, by the end of this, you'll be producing in your sleep. Okay, you, you heard Aston, he's promised Hollywood blockbusters, you're coming my way. Now, please do make a note while Aston's talking of all the tips um, he's giving you so you can ask him lots of questions as he goes through and tells you everything you need to know about how to be absolutely brilliant at video production. Aston, over to you. Thank you so much. Uh, so welcome everybody today, super excited about what we're gonna be talking about. Uh, in this webinar, we'll explore three key high level topics. Uh, how streamlined video production can maximize time and budgets, uh, strategies for bringing efficiencies into the production process, and how external creative resources can enhance the capabilities of any marketing team. And as we get started, you know, one of the first questions that I want to ask you is where's the bandwidth? Um, I don't know if you guys remember the Where's the Beef Lady. Uh, she was featured in a famous Wendy's ad campaign in the 1980s that became a huge pop culture moment. Uh, the ad was a hit because there was something genuinely relatable about her anger over expecting one thing, but being given something else that didn't quite meet her needs. Uh, we've thought about her a lot lately, not just because it's one of the most well-known campaigns of all time, and all of us are always looking to replicate things that we have seen work in the past, uh, but also because it's an interesting metaphor for what's happening within the marketing departments across the advertising industry. If the where the beef lady just wanted a better burger to bun ratio, then all marketers want now is more time, resources, and support to do their jobs effectively as the market for content changes. And this is something that Quick Frame by Mountain is constantly responding to. The media landscape is always changing. How we produce is always um, changing along with it. So that's why the biggest question on the marketing world's mind in 22 is, where's the bandwidth? 
So to get started, um, we're going to talk about some of the top challenges that marketers face today. Um, a 2021 report on the state of creative management by the American Marketing Association identified top three challenges facing creative marketers. Uh, the speed at which their creatives work, which I think is something that we've all felt. Uh, it's always crunch time. We're always trying to release content in a timely manner, um, which goes hand in hand with this second point, um, a lack of adequate resources to accomplish the work. So as we're having to um, work faster, we're simultaneously having less resources to work with, and that's coupled with the changes that we're seeing in the video marketplace, right? There's a higher demand now than ever for creative content. Uh, you know, there are more platforms that we are working on. Uh, there's a constant need to test content, iterative content, optimize for different platforms. Um, so there's more to do than ever before. Uh, and 58% of marketers said that they face larger workloads from 2019 into 2020. And that number has only grown as the demand for content uh, continues to grow. Um, some of the driving factors of this is the fact that CTV has become the fastest growing advertising channel, uh, which is why it's been so exciting also for QuickFrame and partnering with Mountain as we've expanded from doing so much social content into now seeing how the ways that we have learned how to produce high amounts of social content can now um, you know, affect the way that we're looking at CTV content. Um, and social platforms like Instagram are converting their, their user inter interfaces into video first experiences to keep the pace with emerging social titans like TikTok. Um, so now that even these photo first platforms are starting to leverage video more and more, there's more of a need. And again, there's more platforms than ever before. And we're constantly trying to optimize for these platforms, figure out what different audiences are on each of these platforms um, and catering to each of them in a different way. And there's a large expectation, you know, with this change and with this addition to video and so many facets of the consumer experience that they'll be delivered, well, they're expecting to be delivered video at every stage of the buying journey. Everywhere from seeing a CTV ad to being um, served something similar on a social post to then uh, once we've driven the, the conservation, I mean, the, uh, the conversion, um, you know, even on an e-com website, seeing videos of the actual product that they're about to purchase. So in all three of those touch points, video has been used and each version of video is going to be a little different. Um, so with all of that, uh, there's always been a traditional way to approach video. And some of those processes, what QuickFrame has found and the way that we structure a lot of our things uh, is that some of those things have been holding us back now that there are more places to advertise than ever before. To put it another way, uh, we're all overworked, right? So why do marketers need more bandwidth? Because you, me, and probably everyone else on this call is feeling a little overworked right now. And that increases as we enter into the holiday season when there's even more content and content that needs to be specialized and optimized for multiple platforms. And so over the last two years, marketing marketers have been consistently asked to do more with less. Between the pandemic, increased privacy regulations, and an unshakable feeling of economic uncertainty across pretty much virtually every industry, uh, the potential for a steep downturn in consumer spending is a bit of a cause for alarm. This has led to hiring plans being upended and the resources that marketers are typically accustomed to have dwindled away. Uh, between 2020 and 2021, marketing budgets were cut on average of 11% to 6%, and the pandemic on top of that just exacerbated staffing issues. So all of these different things are all convert, converting into these um, specific instances of needing more content uh, with smaller teams um, across more platforms, which we'll see is the main theme of what we're going to be talking about um, in a minute. 
And with a lack of resources and an increased workload as the demand for video advertising grows, your marketing department, your marketing departments are consistently feeling more squeezed to uh, produce all the content. Uh, and this can quickly lead into a work-life balance that can become unmanageable. And we got to find ways to make this work and you know, adjust with the times as the times adjust around us. So the question that you're probably asking is how can marketing leaders support stressed out teams? Um, as fears of inflation and recession spread throughout land and across you know, every other industry, brands need to identify efficiencies that will maximize budgets and streamline the production process without depleting the bandwidth of your marketing department. It's a tall order. Everyone's trying to figure out how to do it, but it's not impossible. Uh, because, of the, because this is also what we found, you know, this is how we approach streamlining video. They want to share you know, some of our trade secrets with you. Uh, so the remainder of this, we'll walk through each step of the production process to give you a clear idea of where efficiencies lie as you strategize your campaign. We maintain a healthy work-life balance here across all of our marketing teams, and uh, so can you. So as we start with any form of video, uh, pre-production is uh, where everything uh, comes into play. Um, so it's exactly what it sounds like, right? It's a stage where you sketch out your game plan for your campaign. This includes identifying clear-cut campaign goals, which is super important, even, even though that goes without saying. Um, it's super important to start looking at ways that you can package or uh, package different shoots or look at alternative video formats that are all geared towards ultimately uh, reaching your video goals, but maybe not in the original way that you thought. Um, as opposed to the you know, normal live action spot that most of us are seeing in some CTV, you can start looking at alternative video formats, whether that be UGC style content, animation, stop motion, uh, what have you. As long as the campaign goals are clear cut, you can get a little more creative about the way that you ultimately get to those goals. And also maximizing the budget. You know, the, my grandfather used to always say, you know, you measure twice and cut once. So we also want to do that with our budgets. Think about all the variables, all the factors, everything that we have coming up in the air to start finding efficiencies again on how we can uh, package multiple shoots together, um, build libraries of footage that we can use in post-production projects throughout the year um, and things like that. Another thing is creating a schedule that sets you up for success. Uh, like we already mentioned, you know, we all know the holiday push. We all know that there are times in the year uh, where the creative talent that you're looking for, whether that be directors, videographers, actors, designers, um, everyone's sweets because everyone's trying to get that content out right before Black Friday. Um, so also looking at your schedule over uh, a year and starting to figure out, can you shoot some of this footage uh, for certain campaign launches prior to you know, that, that strong demand that we feel at different times in the market? And as video professionals at QuickFrame, we find that this pre-production is always the most important step. So the more time that you spend in pre-production for a specific project and also looking at your projects over the year, the better off that you're gonna be. Uh, you can have an ingenious concept, but if you don't have the budget and the support for your teams, your campaign is gonna be dead in the water before you even hit sale. Uh, so maximizing your existing budget may sound like a tall order, but there's, a bunch, there's several things that you can go ahead and start doing. Uh, you want to look for opportunities to cut the fat from your production schedule to ensure that you have uh, low cost solutions to big budget problems. So this is where that pre-planning and looking at uh, you know, your year plan really comes into play. And also trimming the fat. And this can happen on a shoot by shoot basis. 
Uh, like we've already mentioned, you know, some of the traditional aspects of video production we're finding are becoming outdated. Uh, for you know, looking at alternative video formats like UGC style video that's super talent driven, um, we've looked at ways that we can cut out things with like hair and makeup or wardrobe. Uh, look into options where uh, maybe you can have your talent send in you know their normal makeup look or options from their own wardrobe and have them coming to set ready to go and ready to shoot. Um, so just looking for things that you can do or cut out in some of these shoots is going to extend your budget a lot farther. Uh, and the biggest thing that QuickFrame does a lot and that I encourage all of you do, to do is shooting for multiple platforms at once. Uh, looking at ways that you can find concepts that are geared toward those campaign goals that you've identified early on in your year and figuring out how you can shoot for, um, you know, a good example would be like uh, Meta Reels content and TikTok content. The content styles themselves are very similar. The main differences that are going to be coming from those two different streams of content are going to be in post because mainly you're just looking at the different text treatments for the different platforms. Um, so as opposed to shooting something for TikTok and then shooting something for Meta later in the year, look at your, your annual plan and the platforms that you're looking at and find a way that you can shoot for, you know, maybe even CTV content, Meta content, and TikTok content all in one day. Um, and this... Um, most of this comes from, you know, shooting in multiple aspect ratios. But again, if you're focused on the goals behind your concepts, it's a lot easier to get to the meat of what you're trying to do and then optimize that for different platforms. Another thing that we encourage you to do is to review your historical production costs. Uh, one way that you can start maximizing your budget is to look at where you've been uh, and ask yourself uh, how much are you already spending on your video creative. Run an audit on your historical production budgets, focusing on key metrics that drive up campaign costs. Because we talked about with trimming the fat, looking at those um, higher cost pieces are going to be the first place that we could start reallocating some of that budget into other places and also saving time um, from our in-house teams. Uh, doing a post-mortem of sorts after video campaigns have wrapped up will surface line items that may have been extraneous. Um, some of these big pieces um, that can really drive this up um, or places where you can start figuring out ways to out reallocate some of that money is really getting specific about your KPIs. Determining, well, one of them is really getting specific about your KPIs. Determining the goals of your campaign will help you decide what type of video you want to produce, platforms that you want your creative to run on, and how many versions of the video you need to generate to make the greatest plan, to make the greatest impact on your objectives. Um, so again, if we know that we are focusing on doing something audience first, that's talent first, and you decide that you want to try your hand at UGC content, which I would advise everyone to look into, not only is it a low cost version of video, but you have to focus on the fact that UGC video is very specific in the relationship that you're building with your audience. You know, it's not so much making them feel like they're being advertised to, but more like you're sharing uh, your product and how it can benefit them, sort of like how a friend would. So if you're looking at, you know, the type of video and your goals, um, it's really easy to start looking at alternative video formats and looking at which channels are going to serve you best and what performs the best on those channels. Um, so with those channels, you know, we're looking at what video performs best on these channels, how we can bucket it, and how we could focus on doing iterative content, not only for those specific launches, but for other platforms. And that's something that we'll talk about a little later uh, with post-production, 
is how we can set ourselves up to not only be producing content specific from that shoot correlating directly to a launch, but also how throughout the year and throughout our shoots, we can gather libraries of footage so you can have other things that you can run in market in between some of these larger launches and these big campaigns, since the name of the game is getting in front of your audience as much and as often as you can. So another big cost driver and thing to really look at uh, in terms of the way that it's serving you and your goals is your concepting and the way that you approach uh, this concepting phase in, in general. Uh, your concept determines a lot, pretty much everything from your location uh, to requiring any, any special sets or props, as well as the kind of uh, talent and the production crew that you need to hire. So if you focus more on what you want this video to do or say, and less on having an idea of a concept and going out and just producing that concept, you'll find that you'll have a lot more flexibility with the way that you can approach this. Not every shoot and not every campaign launch needs to have all of the bells and whistles. If you're focusing on reinforcing your brand story or testifying to a particular product's usefulness, the more that you focus on that end goal and less on the idea of, let's say, you know, some grandiose concept, the better off that you're going to be. Uh, and then also looking at if it's if it's tied to a specific date or holiday where you can get ahead of that rush, like we've already mentioned. Um, and also looking at does everything need to look highly polished and effects heavy? We found that um, you know not every not everything that you run on uh, YouTube is going to perform well on TikTok. And the name of the game for content that's made on TikTok is that it needs to look native to the platform. So more often than not, um, especially when we produce some content uh, for TikTok. Um, you know, sometimes that, that content is shot, is shot on the phone and the content that is shot on the phone is what performs well on that platform. So start looking at, you know, the platforms that you are advertising at and really starting to look at if there are ways that might be non-traditional that you can prepare that content to run on that platform. Um, and then location. Another big cost, something that um, can really drive up that cost is where you're shooting the content. Uh, the location of your production will be determined by a number of factors uh, from the visual look uh, to the narrative arc of your ad, also to the video type that you choose. Uh, and some of the important creative but logistical ramifications for your shoot is going to be the accessibility of your location. Are there additional permits? Because um, there are some um, cities, especially in California, where shooting even in a home within uh, with some of those neighborhoods has additional permits, um, has additional considerations, insurances, and license to purchase, um, things like that. So looking at locations that you know are out of the way in terms of um, any sound disturbances, already have a good amount of existing natural light will not only help you on your shoot day, but also help you figure out uh, what really works for you in terms of housing these concepts. And a good piece of advice, uh, and something that we see a lot with, uh, you know, creating briefs across the board, is as opposed to looking at multiple locations, look at the number of settings that you can utilize. Um, so say if we're shooting in a home, as opposed to shooting in a home and then having to strike and then set up in another location to shoot at a park and then striking and setting up at another location um, to maybe shoot, you know, outdoors on a trail or an office location or, you know, whatever specific to your business vertical, uh, look at how you can set up one day shoots that utilize multiple settings in one location. Um, so one family homes are a great example. Uh, you can find a beautiful location um, and then figure out how you can set, take those goals, again, those goals that you're focusing on more than your concepts, find a location that has multiple settings and figure out how you can intersect those things. Uh, maybe you are shooting in the kitchen, the bathroom, and the living room, and then also in the backyard. So you have four different sets of content that can be ran at different times that won't appear as if, um, that won't appear as if you are 
you know, using the same space for everything. And so the more that you focus on settings and the less that you focus on locations, the more that you'll be able to find some efficiencies specifically around where you're shooting. And then another big cost driver is going to be talent. Um, talent can range from professional actors and models uh, to real customers, animals, children, uh, you know, there's a whole spectrum. And each kind of talent comes with their own unique set of cost drivers from handler fees when you're working with animals um, to extended timeline considerations when you're working with children because a lot of states have different regulations around uh, you know, how long a child of a certain age can be on set um, to the day rates of the professional union actors. So questions to consider, you know, do, you, do you want um, you know, your agency talent or do you need them? Uh, we found a lot of success um, with looking at real people talent because one of the main um, one of the main assurances of working through agency talent is you know you kind of have that quality control from their representation by that agency. Uh, so one thing that we would recommend is to start leveraging alternate channels uh, for finding talent. You know, backstage is a good option, and you can still find some quality control in requiring that the talent that you're using submit self-filmed tapes. So you can see how they're delivering their lines to make sure that you feel like they would represent your brand properly. But there are alternative channels to finding talent that can offer you the same kind of quality level that you're looking for. Um, yeah, and then also where we would recommend that you all, that you look into that agency talent is really when you're looking for um, certain skills. You know, as a, a singer, a dancer, a professional chef, um, someone with very specific capabilities. Those are times when you might need to go through an agency, um, and of course, you know, pay those extra agency costs. But a lot of times, if you're doing UGC content or something else talent-driven, lifestyle, uh, something product-focused, uh, you can really get away and but really also find really quality content through alternative. I mean quality talent through alternative channels. And also get really specific about the equipment that you're using. Um, that's another huge cost driver. Uh, not everything needs to be shot on a red. Uh, not everything needs to, um, you know, go through the tra traditional technology streams. Um, like I said, some of the stuff that we do for UGC content uh, for different platforms oftentimes is can, can be shot on a phone. Super high quality capture, you know, technology is changing so much. Um, so really look into other ways that you can capture this content that, again, feels native to the platform that you are advertising on. Another important thing to consider if you've run a video campaign before, uh, did you go over budget, which is, you know, the easiest way to look at it. Uh, looking back on uh, your historical production costs and figuring out where your budget ballooned is where you need to prioritize bringing those costs down. So if you're seeing that your locations are always, um, you know, running the gambit of your budget, or if you're finding that oftentimes you overemphasize the amount of content that you can shoot in one day, and then you're looking at having to do multiple shoot days when you didn't plan to, um, then you can look at, again, looking at uh, doing multiple settings in a location to save time between the striking and the setting up, um, isolating your creative to one location, scaling back your big picture concept, and again, focusing on the ethos, uh, the message, and the end goal of that content, rather than be married to a specific concept or a specific production type. Uh, this will help you better understand just how big or small you can go with your video. And then the next thing is you really need to establish uh, clearly defined goals and concepts. That is, like we mentioned, the more planning that you do in the beginning, the better. Um, and when it comes to goals, I'd say that the goals are really what's going to be the thing that is going to, um, 
you know, really dictate everything else. And where you can always go back to, to figure if there's something that you really need to do, or if there's a certain amount of production value that you really need um, in terms of it's still accomplishing your goals. So to find the purpose of your campaign, the platforms you want your ad creative to run on and the goals that you wish to achieve, establishing clear KPIs will not only help in crafting that concept, but also just kind of having that general um, direction that you're going. It provides a richer understanding of the amount of footage that you'll need. And again, when you're planning, you know, not only what you're shooting now, but how you can also use and leverage pieces of this content in the future, um, it's good to keep that in mind. I mean, when crafting your creative concept, always remain conscious of your budget. Know that because of certain considerations, uh, your shoot may run longer, cost more, and especially if your, your concept is requiring special talent animals, uh, multiple locations, props or costumes. That's a lot of the fat that we're talking about that you can trim out if you focus solely on the goal that you are uh, trying to accomplish. And then let's get into a couple of other things um, about pre-production that are probably pieces that a lot of us, you know, already do or are already thinking about, but uh, it's good to go into specifics about how these things can um, help you. Uh, so always storyboard your concept. Uh, as we all know, you know, storyboard is that step-by-step, -step, uh, you know, kind of comic book structure of your video ad. It shows a shot-by-shot -shot of how the camera will move, how the shoot will be blocked, um, and where graphics and titles will be interspersed. And not only does this help creatively in terms of planning, but it also saves you a lot of time on set with approvals. It ensures that you get proper coverage, and it saves you a lot of time in post. Uh, because then you can really look at, you know, building what we'll talk about a little later is a library of footage, um, looking at how can you not only shoot that particular concept, but since you are already there, since you already have the talent going and the camera's hot, go ahead and start using um, some, of those, um, some of those sets to go ahead and start collecting things to use in the future. And then... Our favorite thing, the, the meat of everything, is um, know what, go, what goes in your creative brief. Uh, according to a study from Better Briefs, 90% of marketers and agencies agree that the brief is one of the most valuable yet most neglected tools to create good work. And there's a disparity with the way that everyone thinks about it. We all know about its importance, but the way that, you know, some marketers are thinking about filling them out and the need of ad agencies and the need of creatives to fully understand what's going on, there's a little bit of disconnect. 80% of marketers believe that they write effective good briefs, while just 10% of creative uh, agencies will agree with that point. Writing a quality brief can clear up confusion that uh, will arise when you're entering into that pre-production phase. And the other reason why briefs are so important is because, you know, as marketers, you're, you're not, the, the person who's on set the most is the creative that you're employing to work with you and collaborate with you on the spot. The more background that you give them, the more information that you give them on goals, what has performed in the past, uh, what channels you are looking to advertise on, the more that even they can bring efficiencies on how to produce this content with you, you know, once they have a full picture. Um, so some of the things that you want to emphasize in your brief is always the overall campaign. Where are we going with this? What is the intent of this footage? What is this launch for? And then also start thinking about how the footage that you're capturing in a specific launch can also be leveraged for other campaigns in the future. Uh, and that lends itself into the goals that you want to achieve, creative concepts that you already have in mind. And, and in mind is a really important part of that. Um, I'd recommend that uh, when you're doing these concept things, start with high level concepts that are tied to those goals. 
but at least some flexibility for those goals to, um, maybe for those concepts to shift and change a little bit throughout the creative process. Because one thing that we see a lot is that some marketers will try and use things that has worked for them on a different channel and try to bring exactly that into a new platform, which isn't always gonna yield you the best performance. And like I said, again, giving your creatives full context, an idea of where you're going, an idea of what you're looking to shoot, uh, and just keeping it really high level, you'll get more collaboration with, of course, how to how to accomplish shooting that, how to shoot it, how to shoot it together to leverage for other platforms. And then there's also efficiencies when you're on set because you know they're the ones that are spending the most time on set. And one thing that uh, is super important to us is examples of past creative. You know, we say a quick frame, we talk in video, we work in video, we think in video, we communicate in video. Being able to show a creative. Um, a couple of different things, you know, uh, an example of the video type that you're looking at, right? So what is life, what does a lifestyle video mean to you? Uh, what does a testimonial style mean to, mean to you? Uh, when we're talking about product specific, uh, what does that mean? And then looking at a different set of examples that communicate uh, what you like about different kinds, kinds of content. Examples to say, we really like this pacing. We really like the brand delivery here. Uh, we really like um, the tone at which uh, this was written. And then that plus examples of past creative that has worked well really allows a creator to have enough information to be able to collaborate with you and really lean into, you know, that ideal concept with those goals and what has worked in the past to start figuring out where you're going in the future. Um, and that, you know, and also, you know, what platforms it's running on just to figure out and start finding those efficiencies like we've mentioned with um, you know, how can you shoot multiple concepts and multiple things and also repurpose things across platforms. And as you'll find efficient planning um, equals streamlined production. Maximizing your budget in the pre-production stage will set you up for success when you're moving into productions. There's less questions, everything's set up. Um, you're able to be nimble um, and deal with things as they come up. So in this production stage, you know, we're looking, of course, at shooting the actual footage, um, working with your creators, uh, communicating with your crew members, your designers, your photographers, and everyone to you know, start painting this full picture of what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and the best way to save your team's bandwidth during production and production is going to be uh, twofold. Uh, plan your deliverable at the start. To maximize your budget in post-production, you really want to look at every single thing that you are planning on um, on, on running, regardless of the platform. So this is of course why the storyboard comes in really handy uh, because knowing what deliverables your campaigns will need will ensure that you don't forget about any specific aspect ratios, video, video lengths or file types. Because, you know, think about it, once you get on set, you want to maximize the, you know, the output of the amount of time that you're spending with your creators and, um, you know, with all the money that you're spending on that location and that crew. So this will eliminate a lot of time, you know, the need for reshoots, edits, new animations, pickup shots, things like that. And it goes without saying that if your creators have to go back again and again to shoot more footage or to find little pieces uh, because we didn't think through, uh, you know, simply, you know, thinking like, you know, since we are here, what else can we capture? If we don't think through that, your schedule can quickly get derailed when there are more things that need to get picked up later. And second is going to be capture all of the footage that you need in a single shoot. Because with clearly defined goals and a list of deliverables, you can design a production plan to capture a wide variety of footage for every video asset that you'll need. This goes from multiple aspect ratios to run on different platform, um, to testing things out with different talent, uh, because when you're optimizing for the platform, that's also something that you're looking at. 
the demographic that is running on TikTok is going to be significantly different uh, from the demographic that we're looking at on, you know, let's say Snapchat or uh, YouTube or something of the sort. Um, so being able to know, you know, who you're advertising to, um, the sort of content that runs on these different platforms, the aspect ratios you're planning for, uh, the talent, the scripts, what messaging are you pushing? Um, you can actually, you actually be surprised how much you can capture in one shoot day once you start thinking about your process in that fashion. And one way to ensure that you're getting all of the footage you'll need for your campaign is by creating an exhaustive shot list that details every single scene that you think that you're going to need based on your audience, your goals, your messaging points, the platforms that you want to run on. Uh, for instance, if you're running an ad on both YouTube and TikTok, you want to make sure that you capture footage and work both in 69 and in 9 by 16. And if you think about it, you know, if you're on set, you're running this one concept, the script is the same, it's really easy, you know, if you can shoot high def enough uh, to shoot wide and then keep all of your content in the middle, you can punch in from 69 to 9 by 16, and then you have two videos for one. Or even if you are running through a script with talent one, concept one, shoot that once with the camera in 9 by 16, swap it out, switch your aspect ratio, shoot the same concept in 16 by 9, and then you're really starting to maximize how much you can capture in that one shoot day. And then you can also look at your iterative testing, uh, whether that is testing different scripts, um, doing things with different talent. As that set is up, just make sure that you can get all of it, um, that you can get as much out of being on that set as possible, which is why that shot list comes in, because you can look at alternates and little things that you can do to start building out a library of footage that you can use not only in post-production for that specific project, but you can also use for projects that will come in the future that you don't have to shoot net new content for because you've already masked this uh, library of footage. Uh, to stay budget conscious, yeah, you can create your uh, shot list by going through your script and going through your testing and just aim to be as specific as possible, right? So we, we, we collaborated on the concept. Everyone understands the full goal, goals. Uh, we've talked to our creator to uh, start working through, you know, what can we realistically capture here if we're interested in building out uh, a library of footage? How can we purpose some of those things? Well, like we even mentioned, you know, if we were getting ahead of the curve, um, for a specific holiday launch, how when you're shooting for something evergreen, can you swap out a few propping elements or, you know, put in a different script and go ahead and start capturing content to get ahead of the holiday rush when timelines are, are harder, uh, budgets are higher, and everyone is, you know, working longer days to try and get that content out the door. Your team will really uh, thank you for that one. Um, so having an efficient production schedule is a strategy that Quick Frame by Mountain deploy with healthcare services brand Nurex. Um, with clear goals in mind to improve, to improve direct response performance and increase their brand awareness. Wait, make sure I, yeah, there we go. Uh, with clear goals uh, to, to improve, yeah, that brand awareness and their performance, uh, we strategize a robust plan that would capture all of the essential footage at once. Uh, this creative framework to test multiple variables uh, with the campaigns that they had live so we can pinpoint what was pushing the needle. And then on top of that, you're testing um, those variables across multiple platforms from content that was shot in one day that all looks like it could be a different campaign because you utilize multiple settings within that one location. Um, so the uh, data they were able to collect was a 33% reduction in CPA during the campaign, a 31% lower CPA than their original goal, and a 2x increase in ad spend while maintaining a positive ROI. So when you're seeing things like that happen, 
and you're able to collect that data faster uh, and with spending less money, you know, you know that your process is starting to work. Okay, and um, last but not least, uh, where you know, all of the magic really comes together, uh, we're gonna talk about post-production. So how can you be more efficient in your post process? And um, you know, the planning phase is really important for setting up where you're going. The production phase is really important for maximizing what you can do on set. But if you have done everything that you can do in that pre and production process, you can really, really, really um, go really wide with, with your capabilities in post-production. So, you know, post-production includes everything from, you know, editing, sound mixing, color correction. Uh, so this is really where the magic happens, right? Uh, and it requires specialized talent like editors or animators, people who do get busy, but also can work really fast. Um, so the extra days that you are putting behind these editors, whether that's in-house or out of house, you know, that's extra money that you're spending. So being able to be really clear cut about your plan and about how you want things put together and having those libraries of footage and things is going to be really important to maximize your time that you're spending with these editors. And so repurposing footage is a, um, a big, a big, big thing. Uh, one of the best ways to keep uh, video production costs down is by repurposing assets through post-production editing, right? So if you think about it, you know, you went wide with your goals, uh, you identified concepts to, to, um, uh, to accomplish specific things, but kept them open-ended so you're able to work with your creator and figure out efficiencies on set. Now you can start collecting a library of footage throughout different shoots and slowly start accumulating things throughout the year. What you end up with is a lot of different footage that you can piece together uh, with new copy, new messaging, um, you can test your shot order. And in between some of your, of your larger launches, you could start to depend on just pulling your library of footage and getting something new to run in market that you can easily test with the pieces that you've accumulated, which can give your marketing teams a little bit of breathing room, excuse me, um, in between you know, some of the larger initiatives. Um, so yeah, all about repurposing the footage, you know, that means you're taking the existing footage or stills from previous campaigns um, and editing to make them a brand new asset. It's super cost efficient, it's super time efficient, um, and you already have some ideas of what worked with the original assets that you ran in market. So now you're building this knowledge of how the, the footage that you've already captured has performed on different platforms. So your testing can go in even deeper once you're taking the learnings from the first round of those assets and now applying it to the second round of post. So yeah, it's super exciting. You can see how over time um, that really leads to a lot of efficiencies and a lot of time saved. Um, and, you know, quick frame and, you know, we really saw a lot of this, you know, during the pandemic, uh, when during COVID, you know, we couldn't shoot new content. So a lot of marketers were more open to, um, trying to repurpose existing footage, uh, because, you know, we had no other options. And that's when everyone started realizing how much of a benefit it really is, uh, to take those libraries of footage and start to get creative with them rather than, you know, everyone loves something shiny and new. We all want shiny and new creative. We have big concept ideas, um, um, but uh, there's a lot to be said for reusing footage over time. And that's why also building that footage library over time, whether that be for a specific launch, evergreen, whatever, you know, uh, that really puts you into a better place later in the game. And then on top of that, as we're looking through post-production and as we're looking at how we can repurpose these existing libraries of footage, uh, you want to be really strategic with your testing. So with a performance marketing approach, you can test and iterate um, ad creative throughout the entire campaign. So again, you know, on set, you can test things like, you know, in one setting, 
um, running through a couple of different scripts with the same talent, um, trying it with a different talent and a different demographic and pulling in those pieces of these different um, sets of footage. Um, and then start looking at how you can not only take those on-set variations between the videos, but now start coupling that with post-production um, variations, which you know is all about the copy and things that you can do in the editing process. And now what you can do with the with this amount of footage across multiple channels has not, is so much greater than what you could have done in the past uh, because now you're running these existing assets and you're using this existing library of footage but you're able to get learnings from them almost as if you're running this creative for the first time in market um, and also on top of that optimization isn't a one-stop deal you know it's an ongoing process so as you're launching these campaigns across different platforms and learning what works and learning about the different audiences that you're catering to to these different platforms um, you can make these iterations and increase your process your performance on the fly uh, this saves time and bandwidth like we've mentioned um, they can give um, some breathing room and you can run this content as long as you can refresh them by using these alternates that you captured because you planned so well in pre-production that you're able to maximize your time on set. And so through multiple campaigns with learnings from testing and building libraries of footage for post-production process, uh, your team is also going to um, become smarter over time. Uh, you can get efficient with your creative once it's in the can to expand into new platforms. Uh, and like we already mentioned, you know, content made on 9x16 for TikTok can easily be moved across other video first channels like Instagram and Snapchat. And so now you're able to compare, you know, this performs so well on this channel, what version of this on this channel is going to perform well on this channel, right? And then that becomes a really almost, you know, fun game, start figuring out how you can put these pieces together. So this means that you're not having to create necessarily unique content for each channel, especially as, you know, the TikTokification of all of these video platforms is also ongoing. It's starting to create more of a unified video first experience, but now you're focusing on what performs best in these markets, um, even using the same video style. And so also what you want to look at is look at um, in-house efficiency outside of your team. Because uh, a lot of the bandwidth issues are exacerbated by the fact that many businesses in our industry are bringing more of their advertising in-house. So this can create workflow. I'm sorry. This can create workflow problems uh, if you're unable to tap into the efficiencies and resources uh, because you can't scale without burning your teams out. And there's also downtimes in here when you're when you're especially like a post team might not be doing as much work as they might be doing during other parts of the year. Um, a study on the current state of creative uh, marketers found that 76% of organizations handle 75% or more of their work in-house, which, as we see it, is a huge limit to what you can actually accomplish. And even with that, 86% of creative teams will also at, at times hire external creative partners, either because they need a specific skill set that they don't have in-house, uh, they need an increased capacity for a certain time of year, or just to help get work done more expeditiously. Right? So we're not designing for using these out-of-house people, but also finding that using out-of-house creative is a, fundament a fundamental aspect of the process. And this is where uh, creative marketplaces can really be a really effective lever uh, for marketing departments to find new sources of bandwidth. Um, these, market, these marketing places, I mean, marketplaces uh, can increase production bandwidth on demand. Uh, it's something that you're building for as you meet new teams to produce new content. The marketplace has an um, ever-ending um, expanse of different creatives that um, 
specialize in different business vertical, different types of video. So you can really find someone that can deliver on what you're trying to accomplish. And that's also when you can find people that, you know, when you have those loose open-ended concepts and those overarching goals can help you with your efficiency because they've spent so much time producing this sort of content and looking at producing this sort of content for multiple platforms. Um, so there's also, you can, you can produce videos in different styles, you know, you can, you can work just as hard at pushing your live action offering while also testing how your uh, target audience might respond to um, some animation, and then also start looking at other things that are shot practically in person, like stop motion content. Uh, and the other good thing, especially as you look at expanding into different markets, uh, the localization capabilities of a creative marketplace is going to be so much greater um, than what you can accomplish in-house or even by going um, to someone that's like close enough. Um, and you don't have to send your team to a specific production location. You're finding someone boots on the ground who understands the market, understands the cultural nuances of the place that you're trying to go, understand it, understands, you know, the small differences in accents and languages and things like this. And a marketplace is able to provide all of those options. Um, so you're able to always optimize not only your creative what you're trying to do, but also the creator that you're using with that creative. Uh, so don't think of creator marketplaces as replacements for your team. Think of them as a very significant enhancement that we have already proven in the industry as a necessity. Uh, so your team can reclaim bandwidth to dedicate to other areas of focus. This is focusing on those overarching goals. This is focusing on planning out how you can collect content throughout an entire year. So when the big, you know, November, October, November, December holiday rush, you're prepared, you're ready to go, um, you know, focusing on making your briefs more robust, focusing on, on communicating with your creators more in depth, uh, focusing on testing strategies and robust testing plans and tracking that data, and really being able to lean then on the creative's expertise which is really important. And so for some of our conclusions, um, no, actually I skipped one. Yeah, so some of our key takeaways um, is to be optimistic about Atlanta's near future. Uh, despite looming threats of a recession as inflation tightens consumer belts across the market, uh, this is not directly correlating with a decrease in ad spend like some industry marketers are feeling. Uh, insider intelligence predicts that an ad spend that ad spend will actually increase 13.2% over year over year in 2022. This finding is supported by the fact that recession-inspired cost countries in the ad in the ad uh, space typically don't last, which we have seen uh, historically. Uh, when comparing past recessions, an age ad report uh, discovered that the industry will regularly course correct on economic downturn into a tailwind of growth. Um, some examples of this is following the Great Depression, when ad spend dropped by 18% in 1933, the industry saw an outstanding 24.5% increase the following year. Uh, and during the financial crisis of 2008, ad spend plummeted by 10.2% in 2009, before rebounding in 2010 with an increase of 8.8%. And to bring to us to today, after the COVID-19 pandemic caused ad spend to spiral downwards by 7.5% in 2020, it immediately rebounded by almost 20% the next year. Uh, so while you might be feeling a short-term squeeze and how to accomplish all of this, the resources that you're working with, uh, the industry predicts that you won't, it won't turn into a long squeeze uh, in the coming years. So even by changing the way that you're approaching these processes and approaching, approaching content creation now will even help you twofold in years uh, when we have a little more resources at our, at our disposal. But in the meantime, your marketing departments need anything they can uh, to help out 
uh, with, these, with these processes. And again, just to recap, you can give it to them through a pre-production plan that maximizes your budget and gets ahead of future needs, a streamlined production process that optimizes your team's time and resources, a post-production schedule that lets you work smarter, not harder, and utilize the footage that you've captured in an iterative uh, process, and, explain, and expanding your in-house teams to leverage creative marketplaces as a supplemental addition uh, that can take some of the heavy lifting off of your plate and also lead to further optimization. And so with all of that, uh, I'll welcome back Ruth uh, for us to handle some questions that you guys have been sending in. Perfect, thank you so much, Aston. And you have got a flood of questions. So I think it's pretty clear that everyone has issues with their video production and they need you to fix it right now. Um, so let's start off. Um, first of all, uh, Robert said, um, speaking of costs, is there a style of video which is a good low cost starting point for a, for a brand's first video campaign? Yeah, so one of the, one of the best low cost versions of video is going to be UGC content, right? Super talent driven, uh, doesn't necessitate a lot of cropping. Uh, the locations um, aren't too specific, and also, like I mentioned earlier, the great thing about UGC video is not only is it low cost, not only does it not need a lot of bells and whistles, uh, but uh, what you can do is engage with your target audience in a way that most advertisers aren't. You know, everything that is normally produced, um, super traditional live action, a lot of people feel like they're being talked to, uh, but by leveraging UGC video, um, you can find a lower uh, form of production while also engaging with your network or your target audience in a much more personal way. So it's a good low cost option, and then it also has a bunch of other great benefits. Something I wanted to mention is often UGC, often people think also of creators. Now, Jamie has asked, do brands like to be hands-on when working with creators? And do creators actually actively welcome brands playing a role in the creative process? Well, yeah, so it's going to vary a lot. You know, there needs to be a good middle ground of collaboration between uh, both of these groups of people. But, you know, so a lot of our creators do actually like having um, someone from the uh, client side on set because they're able to make sure that they're approaching the brand properly, able to make sure that everything is dressed properly. Um, and the little nuances of how to push a product um, are, really spoke, are really spoken to. Um, and then on the client's end, yeah, always wanting to be involved, always wanting to collaborate with the creators. And so as long as we're having collaboration where everyone's expertise is coming together in the middle, uh, both groups uh, from our experience will welcome that. And I really enjoy, I'm hoping nobody who works with me has asked it, which is what do you think brands typically do wrong in video production? And what's the big mistakes we should avoid? That's a great question. Um, so what, I, so what, I'd see, what I'd say oftentimes when doing something wrong is getting too married to a concept not for the purpose of what it actually means for your goals, but just wanting some flashy new creative that might match um, a brand that you've uh, seen in the past or someone that you've seen produce in the past um, and focusing less on your concept, I mean, on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish and focusing more on creating some grandiose production. Because oftentimes what we can see is from some of the lower scales of production, depending on which uh, platform you're advertising on, you can see a greater benefit to creating content that is less produced, but engages your network and engages your target audience on a much higher level. Yeah, that makes total sense. Keep the concept in mind, the KPIs in mind. Don't just think about um, 
creating some big Hollywood blockbuster, like I was hoping to straight after this, Aston. Now you've broken my dreams. Okay, we had another great question, which was Brendan was asking, how do you get any better at creating briefs? You called it out as something marketers generally aren't good at. Do you have any tips? Yeah, so yeah, budget tips for briefs. Um, So again, be really clear cut about your goals. Um, Be able to Uh, explain that uh, to any creative team that you're working with. So not only goals in terms of certain KPIs that you're trying to accomplish, uh, specifically, you know, who who your target audience is, uh, your specific messaging for that. And then also, like I mentioned, think in terms of video. Think in terms of um, here's the video style that we like, and here's the video that we're going after, and be able to have some reasoning behind why this video style is the one that you're wanting to move forward with. What's the benefit of doing lifestyle content over doing UGC content? So being able to express why for a certain target audience you're looking at um, creating that style of video is going to help a lot. And then again, looking at those references for past creative that you've worked with, um, where you saw the performance, um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, And then other things that you like in terms of, um, like I said, tone, um, delivery, uh, the way that the talent is acting, things like that. So if you can get really clear cut on, you know, the pieces that you have that will make you successful, that's when you can get, like we mentioned, you know, that's when creators really love collaborating with brands because when they have those pieces, they can bring more creativity, they can bring more information, they can bring more, um, what's the word? They can bring more um, ideas to the table. Um, so yeah, clear cut about the goals, always think and use video and those high level concepts. Don't get too married to concepts, have some high level concepts some reasoning behind them, uh, but then also be open-ended to how those things might change, especially as you're moving into looking to, um, you know, produce libraries of footage. Yeah. Not always is the, maybe the narrative longer form um, content, what's going to be, what's going to serve you. Maybe it's some of the shorter things that you can piece together over time. Um, so by using those open-ended concepts uh, you can, and not getting married to those, those like narrative structures, uh, there's more that you can actually do in that time with the video that you're capturing. Okay, great advice. You know, everyone has no excuse now on this webinar for bad briefs after that. Let me ask um, one more question because we're, um, we're quite close to time. So Alexa has asked, how many videos do you typically see brands create when they're doing their first video marketing campaign? Yeah, so there's no set uh, number of videos that you should be making. Uh, it all is going to depend on the objectives and the platforms that you want your ads to run. So obviously, if you are running across more platforms and you're optimizing for more platforms, you're going to need a higher amount of video. Uh, but um, if you want to focus on testing, um, anywhere between you know three to four different CTAs uh, for one sets of for one set of videos might be enough. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a coupling of uh, how many platforms you're running on, uh, what you're testing, how many versions of that that you're going to test. Uh, but again, if you're focusing on your overall goals and less about how much should I be doing, but how can I accomplish a very specific goal, that'll get you to the place that you need to be, as opposed to focusing on what other brands might be doing in a similar space. Makes sense. Always come back to the goals. So um, Thomas also asked, you're re- you seem really keyed into the video production space. I think that's an understatement. What really excites you about the future of video that we should know about? 
Oh yeah. Well, the exciting thing about video right now is we've seen how big that video has has become um, in the advertising space, you know, and even thinking about, you know, all of the entertainment that we have now and how much that's been growing. Video has become very, very central um, to the way that we communicate with each other, uh, to the way that we advertise and everything. So we're seeing that, you know, we're coupling and beginning to couple video with more interactive spaces. Um, so the thing that uh, honestly makes me the most excited is seeing how video moves from being just something that you view into being something that you can interact with on a deeper level. Uh, because then that brings a whole different amount of engagement with your target audience. Um, it also allows us, um, yeah, to engage on a more personal level. And then also it's just cool to see the new technology that's coming out to facilitate that. Yeah, absolutely. I love those reaction videos in TikTok where they end up being reacted to so many times that it creates a whole new kind of work of art yes. through all the reactions. Okay, so um, last couple of questions. So Noah asked, I heard your point about just how important pre-production is, but what do you do, and you'll be familiar with this, when you have to turn around a campaign super quick? What should you do differently? Yeah, so what should you, okay, so yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, when you're trying to run a campaign super quick, uh, it's probably better actually to go against most of what I've been saying uh, to focus on one single concept. Um, if the if the real goal at that point in time is to just get something out, get something out for a really quick launch, you know, think through exactly what that concept is going to be in order to find exact, you know, for exactly what you're going to run. And then also it's more important in that instance to do all of your storyboarding and your shot lists. In those situations, that's definitely something that I would skip over um, because if you're trying to get something out really quickly, the more succinct that you can be and the more that you can just say, hey, I need the shot. I don't have a lot of time for collaboration here's the story, here's the shot list, or here's the sort of deliverable that I'm looking for. I need this number of deliverables. This is what I want to be seen in each one. And let's just go out and capture it. Um, ideally, and also that's when that brief become, comes really, really handy. Because uh, sometimes at quick frame, we have clients that need to turn around things fairly quickly. And so in those situations, it's even more important to have a very, very robust brief. So I recommend spending twice as much time on a brief for something that you need to turn around later. I mean, that you need to turn around super early uh, just to make sure that there are no questions. And then in that situation, I would be very prescriptive with your concepts uh, just to say, you know, this is the shot list. This is the storyboard. Uh, this is what we need to capture. These are the deliverables and this is what we need to see in it. Um, yeah. Great. Focus, focus, focus. Mm -hmm. And last question um, that we have time for before we, we have to um, finish up. Um, Katie asked, do you have any brands that you look to as really good models of brands creating creative video that you think are worth checking out? Hmm. That's a good, well, actually, I don't have a specific brand, uh, but what I'd recommend is, especially if you're a brand that's advertising towards a younger audience, to look at TikTok. Um, because the, the name of the game specifically for TikTok and something that I think is going to be more prevalent across other platforms is creating content that does not feel as if you are being advertised to. So more importantly than I think looking at a specific brand that might be do doing something very specifically, I look at any brand that is, is focused on creating content that is native to a platform and appears as if it isn't content at all. Um, so if you ever find yourself on TikTok and you're halfway through watching a video and then you realize it's an ad, that's a brand that I would go back and look at their other channels, look at other things that they're doing, just so you can really start to get an understanding of what does it mean to create 
uh, advertising content that does not feel like advertising. And that's going to be uh, the biggest thing um, that'll help you in terms of observing someone else's work. Perfect. Well, Aston, we're out of time. And we know that actually one of the things about video productions is you do really have to run on time. So we can't go over. And that's all the time we have for now. Thank you so much. I think I learned today that everything is pretty much about great preparation. You don't need to have the world's largest budget. And in some and sometimes you can be more creative if you don't and you have to draw on other people's creativity. But it always really helps if you're the world's best prepared. So I don't know if I'm ready for Hollywood yet, Aston, but I think I'm definitely better, going to be a lot better at my TikToks, my reels. And that's probably actually more useful for me right now. Aston, thank you, you've been amazing. Um, for everybody watching, um, thank you for joining Quick Frame and Advertising Week. We will be sharing a link to the webinar afterwards. So if you missed anything and you want to catch up or you want to share it with anyone who you think is stressed by their video production, you definitely can. Thank you so much, Aston, and goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. For more content like this and to learn about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com. As a marketer, you know it's crucial to spend your budget wisely. Mountain's self-serve connected TV marketing software helps you do that with data-backed insights that take the guesswork out of measuring your ad's impact. With Mountain, you can track your connected TV ad performance in real time and see how it compares to your other channels with leading web analytics integrations. You can even see who's visiting your website or making a purchase after watching an ad, regardless of what household device they use. Visit Mountain.com to learn more.